Khan. Okay. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa man jaalatu sahla wa anta tajulul hazna idha shi'ad sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah we are uh, doing this dars live from Masjid al-Aqsa um, in between Masjid al-Qibli which is in front of us and the Qubbat uh, al-Sakhra or the Golden Dome or the Dome of the Rock uh, behind us. Uh, we were unable to stream this lesson because there is some uh, uh, interference from the Israelis on the mobile networks. We had a number of networks ready uh, to go, but they are in full service and then it cuts out all of them. And this is aligning with the peak of one of their festivals and some of their marches, their nationalist marches. And there's been a lot of activity here uh, today, but uh, Allah Musta'an. Anyway, um, it is what it is. So today, Alhamdulillah, Obviously, most of you know what logical progression is, and for those who don't, then it's our weekly class on fiqh. Fiqh, lightly fiqh, because we discuss pretty much everything in the class. Um, and we've been going for a number of years, and we have, inshallah, a number of years to go as well. Maybe another 20, probably, at least. And this is our 12th year now. Um, and the great thing today is a blessed thing that we're starting a big chapter. and. We start a chapter like once every one or two years, just to give you an idea. So this is a huge chapter and we're starting it in the blessed vicinity of the Holy Land. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sanctify our knowledge and our practice of it and our study of it. Allahumma ameen. By the way, I don't know because we're using the good microphones today, but you might be, you guys can hear obviously, but those, huh? Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not even a concert. That's the, that's the provocative kind of bakwas they're doing on that Maghribi wall, isn't it? Right? So they're doing it just on that side. This is the height of, this is the provocation that they tried to do. Um, but anyway, hopefully you can't hear it in the, the way that we have the microphones on because they're quite uh, directional. So the interesting thing is that today we start the uh, chapter of Salatu Ahlil A'adhar The prayer of the people that have legal excuse And that's a massive subject that's all about sickness and illness and traveling and war and this and that And the forms that the prayer takes when you're sitting on the floor standing, lying down, paralyzed And then other variations of it, the chair and its use, how should it be done, lots and lots of stuff um, The reason I found it subhanAllah interesting is because we are in one place where I can't think of many other uh, better examples of how the prayer of Ahlul Adhar is, is applied. Because this has a much higher than average uh, uh, occurrence or concentration of the disabled and those who are injured, and those who are paralyzed by the Zionists and by Israeli aggression. Um, a lot of them, as you see, are in wheelchairs and in uh, buggies and the like. Um, a lot of people pray on the floor. So that's yani, because of certain excuses that they apply. But also the prayer of the people of legal excuse doesn't just refer to this, the, the, the characteristic of, of prayer physically, but also various aspects of the prayer, such as when you come here, you'll realize that the issues of lines that we've been spending so many months on, actually over a year, 
where we've been discussing what are the conditions of a jama'ah, what are the levels of standing alone and what's actually in line. If you imagine the level of detail and the level of kind of accuracy and the kind of almost extreme uh, uh, focus on how a person cannot stand by themselves, otherwise the, the prayer is invalidated congregationally and that they must make their way into the existing line and how all four schools agree on this and the variation is minor and then they come to a place like this and they see an individual praying like about 100 meters away and an individual praying over there 300 meters away and five people praying over there and the congregation is just being established in the masjid right there they'll think that this, this, these are the worst practicing people on the planet but this is the application of Ahlul Adar always understanding what the uh, implications are of the person who's involved in the prayer itself. Maybe the excuse is a hidden excuse, right? <laughs> I'm smiling because I remember my, my, one of my favorite adverts and favorite signs that I've seen. Um, not every disability is visible, right? Now, obviously, that's a very noble statement with a very noble aim, but I, I love it for a very ignoble, ignoble, and whatever the correct word of opposite to noble is, I think I've told this story before, I'm pretty sure I have. But you know, obviously if you're traveling, then you've got to use the disabled toilets, right? And you know that when someone's knocking on the, on the door to get in, you're going to come out of a limp, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> oh, many times I've done that, it is untrue. And then Allah sent down this sign <laughs> and put it outside the toilets. You see it in the advanced areas. They put the whole, you know, not every disability is visible, so when I come out, I'm like, you know, you have no idea what I'm about. <laughs> Open the eyes wide. <laughs> Astaghfirullah. But no, it's no joking matter, obviously, this is not speaking about disability, but if you come here and you saw people praying over there and praying over there, you think, what excuse do they have, right? This is about legal excuse, this chapter. What excuse do these people have to be praying like that in that place, in that manner? And actually then you find out that there are political reasons for that, safety reasons for that, and guarding reasons for that. And because, just because they're not carrying guns and wearing uh, uniforms, that doesn't mean they're not murabitin. And murabitin are meant to be those people who are standing guard, and they stand guard on the borders or in the areas where the enemy is to be expected. And the problem is, is that the enemy is completely surrounding us here. And they can come in via a number of different ways. And so the situation is not uh, straightforward. And that goes to show that fiqh is not just some black and white kind of, you know, scenario. And LP students recognize that, but it's also good to see that when you've been studying a chapter with so much yani, uh, strictness on, the, on the, the exact details that you can't stand alone in a line, and if you stand alone in a line, then you press, and then you come and see people standing alone, that there is realities, there's levels to this game, if you like, in terms of fiqh. All right, so the problem is that you guys are not going to be able to see the text. I mean, you could, but obviously you need the internet and the internet is not reliable and it's cutting in and out. So I'll, I'll read the Arabic and I'll translate the, the English and then we'll take it word by word. So, Bab Salatul Adar, the chapter of the prayer of the people of legal excuse, uh, and I can't even see it. Talzamu al-mariyadha as-salatu qa'iman fa'illam yastatri' fa'qa'idan Thank you, Ed. Fa'in ajaza fa'ala jambihi fa'in salla mustalqiyan warijlahu ila al-qibla sahha so the translation of that at the beginning, so the prayer of the people who have legal excuse, um, it is obligated upon the 
ill or the sick one or the one who's not well to pray standing and if he's not able to do so then he sits and if he's unable to do that then he prays on his side and if he prays uh, on his back with his legs stretched out towards the feet towards the qibla this prayer is valid and he indicates or gestures for the ruku' and for the sujood the sujood is made lower than the ruku' We're not going to get there, but if he is unable to, then he, uh, um, then he uh, gestures with his eyes. So if he's got absolutely he's paralyzed, for example, body, but he's got eye movement, then he gestures with his eyes. So this is the chapter that's starting off with the one who is ill, the one who is sick. Okay, Sheikh Uthameen, he says that Al-A'adhar uh, is the jama of Udhar. Now we're good, Ed, we're good. So um, uh, uh, the uh, excuses, a'adhar, plural, singular, udhar, right? Urdu uzur, yeah? Yes, there is uzur. yeah? Yeah. So, uh, and what Sheikh says here is that by uzur we mean marad, so sickness, safar, which is traveling, khawf, which is a state of fear. And you see how he didn't say war, he said fear. And that fear could be political fear, actual fear, military fear. It could be fear from a zalim, someone who is uh, an enemy, someone who's a robber, someone who's a formal enemy, someone who's an informal enemy, meaning like you know, an individual thief, thief, that kind of thing. And all of these, uh, uh, all of these a'adhar, they will, um, the prayer will differ according to the various uh, excuse. Um, the the fact that we will change the manner of the way that we pray due to these reasons, these legal excuses, is a Islamic principle very well established. And this Islamic principle, this qa'idah, this maxim, this principle, is taken from the Quran because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yuridullahu bikumul yusra wa la yuridu bikumul usra. Allah wants ease for you, He does not want difficulty for you. Surah Al Baqarah, verse 185. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا جَعَلَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِي الدِّينِ مِنْ حَرَجْ In Surah Al-Hajj verse uh, 78, and He did not place upon you difficulty in your religion. And He also said, subhanahu wa ta'ala, لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا That he does, not bear a, he does not burden a soul more than what it can bear. Surah Al-Baqarah verse 282. فَكُلَّمَا وُجِدَتْ الْمَشَقَّةِ وُجِدَ التَّيْسِيرِ and so therefore from these ayat, what do we learn? That whenever there is difficulty, there is ease. So as soon as difficulty pops up, it means ease has popped up. You just need to have the knowledge to apply the ease. The ease is there. The mashakka you can see and the ease is not being seen and the knowledge will allow you to apply the ease. And whenever, and as the, as the qaida fiqiyya says, al-mashakka tajlibu taysir, that difficulty brings Ease along with it. Whenever the, whenever uh, the, the difficulty comes, and another qaida uh, fiqiyah is when a situation becomes restricted, it becomes spacious. Meaning that they can put the condition upon you to make you feel suffocated. The Sharia will open it back up up for you again with an excuse, such as hunger, starving, dying, whatever. Pork will allow you then to live again. Such as I'm dry, dying of thirst, but whatever. Completely no, nothing else except alcohol. You drink the alcohol and then any similar uh, 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 concepts. Um, uh, in all of the various legal excuses. Sheikh Uthameen says that um, the, the author started off with the sick one, that they have to pray the prayer 
Qa'im. And he says, what does it mean by being sick? How do we even measure the concept of sick? He says, Al-Marid huwa alladhi a'talat sihatuhu. That his uh, uh, healthy state is being affected. The default state of health has been affected. Not fatally affected, it has been affected. It has been knocked back. Sawa'un kan fi juz'in min badanihi. It doesn't matter whether that's just a part of the body. So maybe the hand is hurting only, or the foot is hurting only, or the entire body to the maximum of something like a coma or a paralysis of the body. It doesn't matter the uh, thing. Well, whoever he says, uh, whoever complains uh, from the uh, uh, from a, uh, 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 a pain or sickness or a problem with his eye, then he is married. And and one from the finger, then he is married. And if he has fever, then he is married. So therefore. Any part of the, the, the body, whether it's all of it or part of it, then that is what is considered to be um, uh, sick. How do we understand that even from one small part of the body, the whole rest of the body is to be understood to be sick from a legal clinical point of view? From the spiritual hadith, the hadith which was generated by Imam al-Bukhari, in which the Prophet ﷺ said, that the example of the believers that the example of the believers in their mercy to one another their love to one another and their kindness to one another i.e. how they are concerned with one another is the same as when uh, uh, is, is, is understood because they are a single body and if one part of that body complains of illness or is ill then the rest of the body is affected in sahr uh, al-humma that the sleeplessness and the tossing and the turning and the you know the stress and the fever that's what happens to the rest of the body this is referring as i said spiritually uh, the, uh when i say spiritually i mean metaphysical i think because this is a political hadith it's spiritual hadith is about the care of others so if my brother is hurting i am hurting just like if my my hand is infected then i can't go to sleep I'm finding it difficult even though the thing is in my hand. So when one part of the ummah is hurting, the other part is anxious, worried, stressed, can't carry on like it normally would do because we are all one single body. This hadith, of course, is very, very famous. We all understand it. But again, this goes to show that a hadith has different meanings according to the eyes or the lens of the different scholars that are reading it. Some are taking a very general reading. Look at this one, a fiqh uh, uh, understanding. A faqih looks at it and says, this is an evidence that a part is considered to be a whole. From a, from, to a legal point of view, which is very, very interesting. Okay, it shows that even a hadith which is talking about politics or a hadith which is talking about whatever, because the Arabic would indicate or the principle would indicate that something all doesn't need to be gone, as long as part of it is involved and we consider it to be all, then it can be applied here in a clinical sense as well. So, Sheikh Atamin says that the author, author the Imam al Hajawi, he says that this sick person, what he has to do is to pray standing. What he has to do is to pray standing. All right, that's the default position for all people. Waqifan. That means that, uh, 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 and Sheikh Uthameen says, And he goes, This sick one has to pray standing, even if the standing is more like as if he's in Rukhwa. So a person who's suffering from you know, bad back pain, then, and he can stand fine. But he's got to do the old kind of, you know, curve. People who have sciatic pain, people who have disc, you know, prolapse, you know that you're always manipulating yourself to get your right position. And then once you've got your right position, you're okay. And you can carry on quite well. Your, your feet are okay. Your strength is good. Your health is good. But there's no way that you can stand up straight. Otherwise, the, the, the pain is excruciating. So you can pray almost in ruku. He goes, or, 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 or,
he's actually actually fine, but he's got a balance issue or he's got you know a bit of a weakness issue, but he can actually stand, but he needs to lean on a stick, so a walking stick, or on a wall, or on a seat, or on a person even. So a person next to them as well, they use them. Then a person should do that standing. They should not be sitting down. They should uh, offer the prayer in this way. So if whenever and however, if he is possible to stand in whatever form it is, he must do that. Even if it's not a full, complete standing back, shoulders straight down and allowing the chest you know, to be upright and the breathing and everything that we know from a proper standing. And he says something, uh, a, a few interesting things. He goes, like what I said, the one who has some kind of problem in his back, that's the one who will be standing like a raqi'. And the one who is leaning on something is just someone who's got weakness. Okay? He doesn't have the power to stand up by himself, so he has to lean on something, and that's something which is allowed. He goes, like it. But it is not permissible, and it is not acceptable for a person to uh, uh, stand leaning entirely on something, so he's 100% dependent upon leaning on it whilst he is uh, uh, able to stand without it. So if you're able to stand without leaning on something and then you lean on something so that if it is removed, you will fall, then this is not permissible. This is not permissible because the one who is leaning on something entirely uh, 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 in its entirety, he is not someone who has, is at that moment, this is an interesting point, is not someone who's actually finding difficulty to stand. Does that make sense? If you are completely leaning against something, then you're not actually in the scenario of needing to stand because it's taken entirely your weight. You're not using your, your body at all. So he goes, if a person is able to stand, they cannot lean on something in its absolute entirety. Whereas if you aren't able to completely stand, then you can lean entirely on something. So the principle does matter. The sickness has to be real. There has to be some level of uh, inability. And Sheikh says, If there's a person who can either pray standing, okay, there's an ill person, they can either pray standing or he can either pray sitting, so he can do both, then we'll say to this person, no, you, you, in your scenario, you lean on whatever you need to, whether it's a stick or whether it's something convenient, whether it's something around you, and the like. Then the Sheikh says, for illam yastatiya. And therefore, if he is not able to, an ability here, right, is not something which is uh, uh, very strictly outlined. Because everyone has some kind of ability to do some kind of thing. So what is the exact nature of ability? Right? What is that exact nature? So Sheikh Uthameen, he says, well, this is about, he just doesn't have the, 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 the power or the strength to, sta to, 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 to stand. And because, And so if a person is not able to stand and doesn't have the ability, then he prays sitting down. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Fattakullaha mastata'atum. Pray, uh, 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 fear Allah as much as you can. Surah Taghabun, verse 16. And he also said, La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha. And that, uh, so the, 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 that, that uh, 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 a soul is not burdened more than it can bear. 
but specifically, if you look at these two verses, these are two general verses, right? That we call two general evidences. But we now have a specific evidence as well. The hadith of Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu, which is narrated in Bukhari, and the Prophet said to him when he said, I can't stand in the prayer, he's, he was ill, he said to him, Salli qa'ima, pray standing. And if you're not able to pray standing, then pray sitting down. So the first two evidences were general, but this hadith, this hadith makes it very clear. This is a very specific evidence, and therefore we now know there's a hierarchy. Pray standing. If you can't, pray sitting down. Lakin. And then, then uh, uh, Sheikh says uh, uh, an interesting question. He goes, if he's unable to, this would indicate that there's a deficiency, that there's an illness, right? Uh, uh, a disability, al-ajaz. What about if there's a mashaqqa? He goes, because there's a difference between ajaz and mashaqqa. Ajaz is a, is, a, is a disability, just you're not able to do it. It's not that you can't, it causes you difficulty, you're just not able to do it. Like you don't have legs, for example, right? There's no difficulty, you just can't stand up. And then difficulty is some kind of pain or some kind of um, the example that I gave last week, I believe, in LP, which is the, the uh, reason why we pray sitting down in a plane. Because it's not allowed to pray sitting down in a plane. Right? Think about it. plane is stable, not like a ship. It's not going all over the place. Got lots of space. Some planes have allow you to stand up as well, meaning you've got the space. Um, yeah, you might not be able to pray Ruku' and Sujood because we can't pray in the pathways, because that's not allowed. You can't pray in the emergency exits, that's not allowed. And you can't pray in the gallery and the kitchen areas because you are inconveniencing other people. It's their pathways as well. You're not allowed to pray in the pathways. So we will allow the fact that Ruku' and Sujood is something which is forgiven. But why, a per why is a person not standing? For every part of the prayer they should stand. And the truth is, is that when people try to justify this, or scholars try to justify it for people, we're talking about obligatory prayers here, of course. Yeah, we're not talking about sunnah prayers. Sunnah doesn't come into the discussion here because we know you can pray sunnah prayers without sitting down anyway. Nefal prayers sitting down anyway. We're talking about obligatory prayers. So if we talk about obligatory prayers, right, why are we justifying standing up? How are we justifying it? The justification that the scholars used, other than, of course, if you're not able to stand up because there's no space, but most of the time there is, is this overriding fear. And the fear is um, taking out turbulence. Obviously, sometimes they say you've got to remain in your seats. That's something else. They tell you you have to remain in your seat. You have to then sit down. But let's say that it's very stable, great weather conditions. You've got a couple of hours in front of you. No turbulence predicted. Everyone's walking around partying. And why are you sitting down for praying? That's now the question. And the truth is, is that most people feel really, really uh, out of place when everyone's sitting down and they're standing up. And not just standing up, but doing a bit of behavior as well, right? And you could freak people out and you know people are on tenterhooks all the time and they're looking at you anyway, hijab, beard, whatever. And you know, they're thinking, all right, this is the final death ritual. Let's get ready. You take him down. You, you know, they start planning. You indicate to you, you indicate you take him from the right, we take him from the left. It's true, bro. And it's not like you're saying, la di da. You're saying, Allahu Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's real. Like the anxiety is real. And here's the irony. Um, the irony is, is that you can mitigate that, of course. Obviously, if you're in a... And this is, why, this is why you can't just apply one rule to everything, right? If you're on a Muslim airline, then to hell with the Kofs who are thinking that, you know, this is something out. This is our plane, our people, our national carrier. You, uh, you sort yourself out, right? But if you're not, on, you're not on one of these planes, or you're in, you know, Canada or the US, whatever, the ruling's got to differ. 
because you've got to be aware of what, you know, how the people perceive and how they understand what the situation is like. Likewise, there are certain airlines that have a policy that they have an armed marshal on board. Bro, if there's some guy with a gun on board, yeah, I ain't taking no risk any of Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar standing up, right? And if there is, and obviously they don't tell you that they're there, but you know, they have a policy. Some airlines don't have any policies about, you know, guns. Is it American? All airlines have it. What's the American? Yeah. No, no, I don't want to tell you, but what's the policy? Is it a law that in America that every plane has to have an armed marshal? All right, it's not. Because... Right. Oh, you mean the Jews, you mean? So the Jews stood up and started doing the behavior and someone came and told them to sit down. Really? Air Canada didn't say that to the Jews. The, the whole thing. Bro, bro, I'm not going to lie. You know, it's a funky plane into Tel Aviv, you know. From JFK to Tel Aviv. Oh, got you, Jeff K to Istanbul. But they, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit thingy. I can't remember ever a steward or stewardess coming and telling me to sit down during salah. Oh, you mean they all stood together in a seat kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, bro, that would freak anybody out. That would be right, this is it now, this is the end of it. But like, you know, Bachari would probably think, you know, someone said they're Muslims, they probably didn't recognize they're Jews either. People are ignorant, bro. People can't even tell whether you're a Jew or Muslim or not. I remember someone coming to me when I was wearing this hat, uh, a white hat, normal, proper. And Shalwar Kameez or whatever, he goes, are you a Jew? I said, what do you have to Wearing hijab, though. That doesn't make sense. Maybe a religious Christian or whatever. A nun, did you say? Oh, yeah, a nun. Yeah, I get that. That's fair enough. Bro, I'm looking at every shop where there's ladies inside. I can't tell who's a Muslim or not. The hijab of the Christian women here is far more complete than the Muslim women. It's a madness, right? And anyway, so the point is, is that even in the presence of an air marshal, there's no doubt that you're kind of uh, worried. But even not in the presence of an air marshal, there is definitely a fear. And Sheikh Uthameen, he gives the example that I said that I heard on the radio. And now I've actually, I never realized that he had it written here. I never realized that before. And he's actually been teaching it in El Mumte. He goes that, for example, he goes that um, the 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 criteria, the criteria for difficulty is that which affects your khushua to such a level that you're ruining your prayer. Because again, that could be abused as well. Everybody has poor khushua. Who has perfect khushur? It's the ultimate objective in salah. Once you've perfected khushur, khalas, man, take me now, I'm done, right? But the thing is, is that your whole life is about trying to get to that point. But some people's khushur is so, you know, bad that they can't concentrate on the prayer. They're just focusing on, please hurry up, please hurry up, please hurry up, right? Literally praying that he says, Allahu Akbar, wassalamu alaikum rahmatullah. And you can see, you know, they're moving around and this and that, whatever. That's a physical one when you've got a little bit of a pain. Right, you know, it might not be ill, but you got you know, an icky knee or you got some kind of issue. So that's, that's an example of you should never ever put yourself through that. Like I make a habit of myself, because many people don't know that. But when I'm sitting next to people in Salah and I see people, you know, who are leaning forward. And you know, the people who have not been since young, have been brought up on iftirash or tawarruk. You know, the normal sitting on your left foot and your right foot up, normal kind of sitting that you sit in tashahud. 
uh, you, you, you know that these people, obviously because they haven't done it when they were young and it's so difficult for them. And you can see them rocking and you can see them leaning forward. You can feel that pain. You can see the ones who have got the knee issues, whatever. I will always, after the Salah, I'm saying to your brother, trust me. I take full authority for you. Pray cross-legged or pray sitting down. I guarantee, I ask, ask them a question. Were you hoping that he gives Salam and your focus was on that? He goes, yeah, I'm in so much pain. I go, you don't need to be. You have the legal excuse to be sitting out, uh, spread out, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And so the, the, the defining point is that when your uh, focus goes away from the Salah and connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to get this over and done with. And you would never ever in conversation with Allah say, let's cut this conversation. Think about it, right? But that's what you're doing inadvertently because you're in so much, you know, pain or difficulty. The same khushur is not only affected by pain, but affected by fear. And he gave the example that it is an enemy that's chasing you. Zulam, I mean. And he goes that you're hiding and you're in an area which is flat and there's only one wall which is helping you. If you go anywhere from there or you stand up, you're going to get caught because there's a search going on. The Salah times comes. Salah has to be prayed. He goes, you pray sitting down. Praying sitting down, despite the fact that he can stand, he's fully fit, everything is fine. But he knows that when I stand up, the only thing that I'm thinking of is, can I be seen? Is he behind me? Is he to the right of me? Your prayer is going to have all these little kind of, you know, moves. You know, trying to blag it, look that way, trying to blag it, look that way, trying to wing it, look under your arms. The whole kind of scenario we gave in terms of, you know, the kid. If you bring a, masjid, a kid to the masjid, that's a, that's, a, that's a joke in itself when it's a two, three-year-old kid who's running around in a mosque with uh, 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 streets outside and whatever, whatnot. Your, prayer, your mind is not on the prayer at all. It's a disaster. So you shouldn't bring the kids to the masjid until they're old enough to stand next to you. And you shouldn't be praying in a scenario or in a way standing up where you can't even focus. And that's the example for the one who's praying on a plane. There might not be a person who's going to be afraid that they're going to be killed by an air marshal. A lot of people cannot focus on the prayer because they feel everybody's watching them. Now, of course, everybody's watching you. Now, there are different people. People are different. Like me, I couldn't care less if you're watching me. You best watch carefully, bro. Right? And yeah, but that's me. Right? And also, also, if, listen, these little things matter. Class the, the, in that you're uh, flying in a plane matters. For some reason, I think that they don't believe that anyone in business class is going to hijack the plane. It's the most absolute normal thing ever. I always say, if you've got points, if you've got points, try to uh, upgrade as much as you can. You've got space to pray the prayer properly. And also, if you need to stand in the area that you've got, you almost always will have no, not, nobody bats an eyelid. Believe me, every time I've upgraded, not a single person cares at all. In economy class, you're the enemy of the public enemy number one. Yeah, and the enemy of the masses. Like, it's clear that Hostages and hijackers, no, I said hostages, hijackers, hijackers have a, uh, a class distinction. So I mean you're going to be okay, yeah? Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Latifa. So that's the problem, right? What, how do we say that objectively speaking, that's not right? You could probably have a good argument to say, well, I'm sorry, but I feel like that. That's why, that's why the scholars have always struggled to give a definition. Because what if a person's got trauma? What if a person has social anxiety? What if a person has claustrophobia or the opposite? What's the opposite of claustrophobia? Is it? 
wide, wide space. Where's our tryptophobia girl, by the way? We've got two of those in this trip, isn't it? Is it you? Tryptophobia. Holes. Clusters. So is that honeycomb? So uh, will a honeycomb like freak you out? Now tell me something that's going to freak you out. Huh? No, no, she, mashallah, she loves the trips. She loves the trips, but she doesn't love the holes. So if you saw someone with a skin condition, that's a madness there, bro. You know, we never asked who was the biryani cook either. Bro, we, the, the girl who did the, the, the cupcakes that make you cry, Aisha Amjad, she got off before anyone caught her. Yeah? The one I make you... She, you know what she said? I'll make you cupcakes, you'll cry. And Abida goes, I hope that you're going to bring them, otherwise we're going to be crying. <laughs> and she blagged it. And then there was a biryani cook of the year. She got off. The tryptophobia folks that we were trying to find out what the hell was going on. Oh, the other one's going to Umrah. Yes, 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 yes. That one's coming to Umrah. Anyway, so a person might have some social anxiety issues. Crowding, or lack of crowding, God knows what. So it's difficult to have a... Whatever. But <clears throat> I always say, as long as you feel confident to defend yourself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's it. Person knows the truth, isn't it? Person is sincere with the reality, they know what they can do, what they can't do. I'm thinking of the example that we have a new convert who's like trying to pray at work. Yep. They're like, for no reason, fearful that a colleague. That's more than enough reason. A new convert who's worried about, you know, being found out, being outed, being, you know, told his parents, other people, some problems. They've got a number of levels of flexibility. Uh, that are appropriate. Ed. Is a fear of missing attack beer? Is that legitimate fear? Is a fear of a what? Missing attack beer. If you're like waiting for the prayer and all of a sudden you lose your wudu and attack beer about that, they're about to start the prayer right now. Could you do tie-in? How you say tie-in movement? I don't think so. Within the prayer time. Yeah. Like so you're just talking about the jama'ah. Yeah. You're just talking about the congregation. The fear of missing the congregation make you do XYZ action? Answer is no, because you, you, you don't have to join the congregation. You're allowed to pray alone. You're allowed to pray another congregation later. Missing that congregation or that takbir, neither here nor there. Yeah, neither here nor there. All right. Um, as we had the question at the beginning. Right. So, you also repeat the question as you're being asked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. always forget that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Scenario. Yes. If it's a prayer which can be combined with another. Oh, prayer, absolutely. Yeah, the question is, is that in the praying scenario, what about if the prayer that you need to pray has the ability to be combined before or after? You have to do that. Now, some scholars said you don't have to. Some scholars said you don't have to. This is a concession. You take the concession as you wish. I have absolutely no doubt, and that's what I teach in fiqh salah, that a person who uh, there's an etiquette for traveling. And there's an etiquette for being a plane traveler and buying a ticket. And the first thing that you should do is to target the flight that allows you to minimize praying in the air that has got fatwa and concessions involved. You should be looking for the flight that allows you to pray on the ground beforehand and looking for a layover that allows you to combine a dhuhr and an asr, for example, and then go in the next flight and then get to the destination and pray a late maghrib and isha on the ground. These are proper legal non-issue prayers and Avoid you having to do, you know, the guilt of I'm not standing, I'm not this, I'm not that. Okay, even though, like I said, the concession is there and if it's legitimate, it's legitimate, it's a concession. But still, intelligent kind of planning like that. But sometimes you can't deal with it. Fajr is obviously the killer, right? 
Fajr, you just can't black that either way. Fajr, the people normally are very tired as well. It's a real tough thing. So the most, the best advice anybody can, can give is that whatever flight you're get, getting, just try to avoid Salatul Fajr. Because the prayer itself is also very, very difficult. Because the length of time to pray is only like 10 minutes. Right? Uh, it's true they're praying like five minutes after the salah. Right. So I think we should call it then. Isn't it? So ladies and gentlemen, you've got the world record short 36 minutes the lesson. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Mesa will be so happy that she'll be beside herself. The note-taking team are going to be so happy as well. It's now time for Salatul Isha. Our apologies for not being able to get the lesson out on time. Allah Musta'an. Anyway, inshallah next week we'll carry on with the seating justifications. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Subhanakallah wa bihamdika shahadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfiruka Allahumma wa atubu ilaik. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.